0: And I've had a lot of questions in this area. And a lot of times people say, what do you use to tell when something is of God or something isn't of God in the religious realm or religious circle? And uh, I honestly, from the Word of God, uh, think there are services, there's preaching, there's all types of things that go on uh, in the name of God. But the Holy Spirit is nowhere near it. The Holy Spirit does not work with half-truth. It doesn't happen. You say, well, what, 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 what with that, what do you, how, how, do you, how do you reconcile that? Well, this is the verses or basically the text or outline I would use to teach that. And we're going to look at some of that tonight. But look at Galatians chapter 5 and verse 7. This is kind of what spawned or spun this, this way to answer this question. Uh, he says in verse 7, Ye did run well. Who did hinder you that ye should not obey the truth? Now look at Galatians. Go back to Galatians chapter three and verse one. He says, "O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that ye should not obey the truth?" And uh, what you have here, and I'm going to turn. We're going to go to First John. And we'll see our first point for tonight. You say, "Well, who were these people? Were they ungodly people? Were they people um, you know that uh, just hated church, hated anything to do with scripture?" No, these were people who were zealous. They thought for God. Uh, they thought for the law. They used scriptures. They were in it. They were the Judaizers from Jerusalem, and they, But they had bewitched the Galatian people. You say, well, "How did they do that?" They did that because they were the Galatian people and the churches what they weren't settled or formed in Christ yet. A lot of Christians aren't settled or formed in Christ yet. You could be saved for 20 years and still easily be swayed by a false doctrine or a false way. If it touches your emotion just right, if it touches just a part of you just right, you'll be totally convinced that experience is definitely of God. You see, does God use experience and emotions? He definitely does. But he doesn't give it to us primarily to make our decisions or base whether the Holy Spirit is operating correctly or not. That's where we get sideways. Uh, So we want to use scripture. And if you look at 1 John, now notice we'll pull our our points or our, our main points from these verses. 1 John chapter 4, verses 1 through 8. And let's read and we'll get into this lesson for tonight. He says, Beloved. Believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. You see, well, that's the people that hate God, that want something to do with God, and they're hooked up in these other... No, these are people who are handling the word of God. These are people who are professing Jesus or professing God. But you'll notice here as he begins to dissect this, we'll see a difference here. And we're going to see at point number one. We see, does it exalt the true Christ? Now watch verse two. So he says, hereby know ye the spirit of God. Now notice how the word spirit is used in these verses. If you have a, a, a 1611, you're going to see the spirit first mentioned in verse two is capitalized. Then you're going to see every spirit, which is not capitalized. These are going to be different spirits. You remember Hebrews chapter five? Can you guys remember what we looked at last week about being able to discern both good and evil? You normally won't have a problem, or people won't give you any headache at all if you're able to discern something that's good. It's when you start discerning what something is not good, something that's evil, something that is not of God. That's where you get you separate, like, oh, I don't know about that. You don't know, or we just don't know. Why I know something that does. You might not, I might not, but I know what does. It's God's word. And so that's why here in First John four, that's why you want to go to scriptures. You might not be able to see this thing or see something that is not quite of God. Hereby know ye the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. So we see here, here's the first question. What you're trying to look at and analyze, whether it's of God, is the first question, does it exalt the true Christ? Verses 1 through 3, let's read verse 3. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God, and this is the spirit of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come, and even now already is it in the world. This is already in the world, already here, if you please. So we see, is its Christology the right gospel? The Christology deals with the doctrine of, of the Lord Jesus Christ. God manifest in the flesh. I'm just going to show you a plain out, straightforward verse. We're going to go through a few of them here tonight. The first one I want you to turn to is 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16. And you're going to see here, it kind of really just kind of steps out on, a, on this. And it's going to proclaim here. 1 Timothy Chapter 3, notice with me verse 16. This is a plain verse of Scripture dealing with that is Jesus God. We know God is God the Father, uh, but is Jesus Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ, God, manifest in the flesh? We believe, we, because the Bible teaches from Scripture, so we're going to look at, that Jesus Christ is God. All right. We believe in the Godhead. Some people refer to it as the triune God. I have no problem with that. Or the Trinity. No problem with that. But uh, let's stick with our verses here. Verse 16. And without controversy. Read it with me. Great is the mystery of godliness. This is a mystery. This is one that generally is well overlooked by just about every call out there. And here it is. God <laughs> was manifest in the flesh... Justified in the Spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. Pretty simple. That's God. You say, who is that? That's the Lord Jesus Christ. Because we're going to look at another verse here in First John. I'm sorry, I put First John, and I probably have it there. It's not First John. It's supposed to be St. John. Turn to St. John with me. I already found a problem with my my points there. Uh, go to First, or I'm sorry, St. John, Chapter One. We'll explain. So if I'm dealing with an individual who is not quite certain whether they're of God or not, they will say the same things. They believe in salvation. They believe in the Holy Spirit. They believe that God is God and he created all things. They also believe that Jesus Christ come and was on the earth and that he died on the cross. But, but now you've got to connect the dots and, and see if they do believe that Jesus Christ is God. Now, just the son of God. Now, watch John chapter 1 and verse 14. And the word here says, and the word was made flesh. You say, what was the word? Go back to verse 1. It would get the context of what we're using for a doctrinal platform here. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was, who's that? God. That's the same, the same one we just read in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. Now, look at Verse 14. Uh, St. John chapter 1, verse 14, and the Word, that's God, was made flesh. It's backing up 1 Timothy 3 16, and dwelt among us, and that he did. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And so these two verses are going to establish what Jesus or God actually are they propagating. See, so, well, they're propagating the Lord Jesus Christ. There isn't, there isn't more than, there's only one. Well, are you certain about that? (laughs) Turn to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians. Why are there so many different denominations? This would be some of the answer that could be given. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. I call this the spiritual test. And so looking at... uh, Anybody, I can put myself on the block. Well, what, what Jesus do I preach? What gospel do I preach? What spirit do I preach? 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 4. For if he that cometh preacheth another, say it with me, Jesus, whom we have not preached, or if ye have received another, say it with me, Spirit, which ye have not received, or another, say it with me, Gospel which ye have not accepted, ye might well bear with him. The Apostle Paul was teaching a a lesson here, dealing with people who would come in and preach. They weren't preaching the right Jesus. They weren't preaching the right gospel, and they were receiving another spirit. You say, "Man, I just—it's pretty simple when you begin to just look at Scripture." Now, if you want to add in your philosophy or thought or how you were taught or believed or me, now we get muddy. We get we get mud in the water. But if you stick with Scripture just simply stick with scripture, you get a clear-cut thing. Okay, does it exalt the true Christ? Who is the true Christ? It was God the Father manifested in the flesh. He come, was born of a virgin, uh, and he died on the cross. He was, and he rose again the third day. That's the Jesus, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 1 through 5, 1 through 4. That is the gospel that it should be propagating. If it's propagating other stuff, i.e. emotionalism sensationalism uh, uh you got philosophy you've got music you've got all different kinds of stuff it can propagate and work in in that mode and it won't be the correct spirit it'll have a spirit there's always a spirit there's always a spirit i'm asking tonight can you discern between the different spirits so I don't think we have the right to do that. According to First John, beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. And so here we go. Let's get to our subpoint B. Does it exalt uh, Jesus Christ itself? Well, it might not exalt Jesus Christ itself. It, it, it definitely might not going to get this to turn here. Here's our second point for tonight. Notice with me back in 1 John chapter 4, I'm going to look at verses 4 and 5 because we're going to look at point number 2. Does it oppose worldliness? So well, I don't think that makes much of it. According to this book, it does. You're going to see a lot of Christians, a lot of A lot of so-called Christians, Christians probably are saved, but they're not going to let go of the world. And there's going to be a faction of the world involved in what they do. And so here's the second question. Does it oppose worldliness? Now look at verse 4. Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So I see two sets of he's. Uh, There's a he inside of you if you're saved and there's a he in the world (laughs) and I'll give you one guess who that is and that's his dominions and that that's your adversary and my adversary that is Satan and the Bible goes on to say that it was the God of this world you say where did how did he get the world he got it in the garden. When man transgressed or fell, uh, and and you say, how did that that happen? Because as God's judgment, he set that forth in Genesis chapter 3. That's where he got it. And so he's a trickster. He's a deceiver. And so he said, well, Satan Satan is the big red guy with the horns with the pitchfork in the tail. No. (laughs) That's what the world wants you to see. Satan is a guy... That'll have a suit and tie on, have the right Bible, be in the right church, but he'll be about to deceive and walk you away from God's word. Yea, hath God said he's always about to corrupt the things of God ever so slightly, in a slightest manner that it wouldn't upset you or unnerve you when he was doing it. He's not drastic, because you could call it right off the bat and say, that's not right. He's going to get you or be in the areas where you're not quite sure. That's why we're looking at trying the spirits tonight. So we see, does it oppose worldliness? Now watch what he says here. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. He's giving you a guideline. Now watch verse 5. They are of the world. Now here's another group. They are of the world. Therefore speak they of the world, and the world heareth them. I already know something about the world and about the gospel that we speak out of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. The world don't want to hear that gospel. It doesn't like that gospel. It's not that you're mean with it. Oh, that'll be the excuses laid out there. Well, he's mean or she's mean or this ain't. It's the gospel. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. I was taking in uh, a TV show filmed years ago. Uh, Brother John MacArthur was in this. I'm not a John MacArthur fan. I don't push, I'm not trying to prop him up, Uh, but I did find it ironic being on a panel of six. He was the only one that proclaimed that Jesus Christ was God, and he stood out of the other spiritual people there on that panel, and all of them, all five of them, turned to him and says, we definitely don't believe what you believe, and it was a Jewish rabbi. It was a Roman Catholic priest. It was a spiritist, a woman who was a spiritist. There was an atheist, and then there was an agnostic kind of like guy. All educated, all bestsellers. They all had written books. He wasn't talking about just anybody. These people had a name for themselves, but they knew one thing. They knew one thing. Larry King Larry King was who I was watching. I think it was Larry King. And Larry King was, said the same thing. Well, we don't, he don't believe that. What do you think of Jesus Christ? And MacArthur was the one, I believe that he is the son of God, God manifested in the flesh. Nobody else agreed with him. I thought, how funny. We agreed on a lot of stuff, kind of hit and come, but when it comes to that, right here, 1 John chapter 4, they're just, just not going to say that God was manifest in the flesh. And so here, the Bible is declaring that. So we see, does it oppose worldliness? Does it promote personal holiness? You get into some situations, I want to know what it produces. If it's producing non-holiness, non-righteousness, and it's just of the world, it looks like the world, it smells like the world, it sounds like the world, you couldn't tell much of a difference, it's not of God. Because one of the first things is going to come out according to verse 5, they are of the world, therefore speak they of the world, and the world heareth them. If you're looking at a religion and the world's acceptance of that religion, and it doesn't seem to really be much difference in what the world is propagating as being right, and that religion's falling right along with it, you you can tell they're of the world. The world heareth them, but God he doesn't hear. God doesn't hear them. All right. So does it promote personal holiness? Uh, does it preach holiness in resistance to the world? Look at First John chapter two. Uh, these are very clear verses. John was a clear writer. First John chapter 2. Notice with me verse 15. Love not the world. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. But you, it gets people in. You don't understand. That's how you reach people, is you have to use those methods. I can't find that anywhere in my Bible. I understand what Paul says when he says he didn't want to be a castaway. Uh, he took that vow trying to, trying to appease the Jewish people. I understand that, but he wasn't saying it was of God. He didn't say that uh, salvation comes through that vow. His doctrine was straight. I understand that, but I don't understand picking up the world and the stuff of the world and bringing it in, trying to use it, try to reach people for God. He says here very clearly, neither the things that are in the world, if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. There's some of the reasons why you don't want to use the world is because it's love. You're you're attracted to something that you shouldn't be attracted to. And it's not God. God said, I want you to love me. I want you to love the things of me, not of the world. You get to look in and use in the world and then that's the next thing that you have uh, that you're going to use. And so here we're, we're asking does it preach holiness and resistance to the world? And here's your verse right here. Now, let's, let's, let me make a note. I have a note here, and I need to turn my slide. And I think my thing's already turned over, so let's see if we can get this to, to work again. So, try the spirits, and we're going to deal with um, all people are divided into two ga- categories. I don't make three categories. You say, why don't you? Because the Bible doesn't. Watch Romans chapter 8. He said, well, this is very basic. It is. It's really not complicated. It's not something that like, well, I never, I never dreamed that or heard about that in years. I, this, I think my notes here in 2018, I taught on it. 20, uh, 2007, I was taught on it. I got uh, dates here where these were, these, this is not new. And so sometimes people ask that kind of question. How do you know if something is of God? Well, this is what I hand them. The spiritual, I call it, I got in some places I have a spiritual dummy test. And I didn't put dummy in there tonight, but that's basically where I have. Romans chapter eight: two, you're going to break down people in two different categories, say, Christian people, religious people. Now watch verse uh, five. Romans chapter eight and verse five. "For they are after the flesh, do mind the things of the flesh, but they are, are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded it is death, but to be spiritually minded, it is life and peace." Let me say this. There's two sides to this coin. You got an individual that is proclaiming God and the things of God, but they're walking after the flesh. They're they're deceiving themselves, and they're trying to think everybody else around them is taking it all in. You can see if somebody's in the world or not just by the fruit that they have. Here's the flip side of that coin. You have somebody that is of God walking in the Spirit, and they're trying to proclaim or use the world, it's going to be seen. You're either going to be deceptive or it's going to be seen. You need to fully mind the things of the spirit or fully mind the things of the flesh. You can't do both. If you try to put them together, you're going to have deception. And that is not of God. So here, that's why he's saying in verse 5, For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. If you're after the flesh, you're going to argue and defend the flesh. Flesh will always line up with the world. And it's never going to line up with the Bible. It'll try. It'll try to use verses here and there, and try to say, "Oh, justify itself." And it always will be under a justification or an excuse. Everybody, follow me. Okay. Then the last part of that. But they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. So, what is he saying? If you're in the spirit, you're going to mind the things of the spirit, not, not vice versa. All right, A well can't bring forth sweet and bitter water at the same time. That's what the Judaizers were trying to do. Yes, you accept Jesus Christ, but <laughs> you have to keep the law of Moses, circumcision. And then there's going to add a whole lot of other stuff dealing with the law into it. It isn't going to work. It's the mind and the things of the flesh. It would never work. He says, well, how did they get like that? Because they didn't understand the spiritual discernment that you and every one of us should have. Able to discern both good and evil. All right, now let's read on. Verse 6, for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. It don't want to subject itself to anything of God. Uh, it's going to have an excuse. Well, you don't really have to. You don't really have to. You shouldn't. Yea, hath God said. Did he really say that? I don't think he meant that. I don't think he understood how he was saying the context and what he said. That you shall surely die. Remember what Satan was trying to feed Eve? Yeah, he meant it. <laughs> verse 8. He's mean in verse 8 too. So then they that are in the flesh cannot what? Please God. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so, that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Oh, okay. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Verse 10. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you. He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. I guess the ultimate truth, whether somebody has the spirit of God or not, number one, by the fruits according to scripture, but you see, if you're resurrected in the day of resurrection, that's how I'm looking at it. Pretty simple. Uh, If you don't resurrect, (laughs) you didn't have the spirit of God in you, uh, simply put. All right, let's get back to our question. So, does it uh, oppose worldliness? I'm very leery of any religious uh, setting that does not oppose worldliness. If any excuse is made, if any compromise or consensus is made towards things of the world, let's say dogmas or beliefs of the world, let's stick with beliefs, then I'm leery of it. I don't care if it even has independent fundamental Baptists on it. If they're promoting something of the world, I've got a problem with it. You say, how? Right here. These verses right here, it's not of God. All right, so all people are divided into two, two categories. We're going to look at another one, 2 Peter chapter 2. Let's look at this. Those who walk according to the flesh. We're on that right now, so we were in 1 John or Romans. Look at uh, 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 10. 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 10. But chiefly, them that walk after the flesh in the lust of uncleanness and despise government, presumptuous are they, he's kind of giving you a description of this attitude or uh, this, uh, this type of character, these type of people. Presumptuous are they, meaning they're going to presume everything. Well, yeah, well, yeah, sure, yeah. All right. Self-willed means they're governed by self. Self-willed, they are not afraid to speak evil of dignities. I'm fearful of that person. Eh, It doesn't matter. I don't care about that. You might not. The person you're talking about might not. Maybe the person, the brother listening to you might bother him. But I'm telling you who's listening and who's recording it and logging it down is God. So here he says, verse 11, whereas angels which are greater in power and might bring not railing accusation against them before the Lord. So we're seeing, look at verse 14. Excuse me. Having eyes full of adultery that cannot cease from sin, begu- see, beguiling unstable souls. You're going to see a deception there. An heart that have, that have exercised with covetous practices, cursed children. Look at verse 18. We're, reading, we're in Second Peter chapter 2, verse 18. For when they speak great swelling words of vanity, they allure through the lust of the... Say it with me. Yeah. You'll always find that bird or that part of you that loves it. And I'm not saying that you can't have fun. I'm just saying don't call it of God. God's not on earth of anything that has to do with the flesh. Through much wantonness, that's a desire or uh, uh, something that lures you in, those that are clean escape from them who live in error. All right, so we're looking at here, all people are divided, and this is the flesh. Now, let's look at the contrast. Those that walk after the Spirit, their heart will always manifest which Spirit is within. If you're around an individual long enough, you're going to find that that's exactly what's going to come out. You'll hear it in speech if you're quick enough to pick up on it, and you'll definitely see it in actions. That's the giveaway. Now watch this. I'm saying the thirdly, if you look at the third point, the heart will always manifest which spirit is within. Look at Galatians chapter five. Let's go back to actually what spawned this, this this type of questioning and this look. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 19. Here's where we're going in our Galatians study. We're just kind of skipped a little ahead. Now the works of the flesh are manifest. That, the manifest, that word there means made known to the naked eye. You can ignore it. Some, some stuff you about have to ignore nowadays. Manifest here is made known. You're going to have to willfully ignore it. Which are those? Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies. See, what is heresies? That's not believing true sound doctrine. Don't want doctrine. Okay, heresies, envies, murders, drunkenness, reviling, revelings, I'm sorry, and such alike of that which I tell you before, as I have also told you in times past. This is Paul speaking to the Galatian church again, Same people that were bewitched, same people who could not discern both good and evil. And he's saying here, I've told you this in times past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long suffering. Here's the spiritual side of it. The fruit of the spirit, those that walk in the spirit, meek, meekness, temperance against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the say it with me, flesh with the affections and lust. If we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. So we're seeing that there's always two types of individuals. I don't care how well I know the person, uh, how good the person looks or how people speaks of them. If they're minding the things of the world and the flesh and trying to prop it in in, in Christ or in God, I step away from it. I'm leery of it. Something doesn't ring right to me and from these scriptures here. All right, let's go to point number three. Let me uh, turn my thing back on and we'll go to point number three. Point number three here is dealing with, does it point people to the scriptures Go, let's go back to our text. We're in 1 John chapter 4 and verse 6. Verse 6. Does it point people to scriptures? No, it's actually it's an association, it's a program, it's whatever. Well, let's look at verse 6. We are of God, the Bible says here in verse 6. 1 John chapter 4, verse 6. He that knoweth God heareth us. Who's, who's the us? That's John. That's John, the writer of it, in the apostles. All right? So you got somebody who doesn't want to hear what the apostle John, the apostle Paul, apostle Peter have to say? Get away from him. He that is not of God heareth not us. I just don't, I just don't, I just don't buy that, that Bible. I just don't look at it quite like that. Uh, You'll hear, I've heard nicer ones than that. I'm being a little mean. But there's nicer ones. Like, well, that's your way of looking. That's your truth. My truth is something a little bit different. Relative truth, you know. Get away from them. (laughs) Get away from them. It should ultimately be this. Look, I could possibly be wrong. But this Bible here is not wrong. The Holy Spirit that lives inside of you is not wrong. And so the Holy Spirit, I think I have in here somewhere. I do, under this point. Um, the Holy Spirit and the scriptures are inseparable. I'm going to give you a verse on that. You got somebody saying one thing and saying, well, God showed it to me. And you're looking at the Bible and it doesn't line up with Bible. Who do you go with? Who do you go with? You go with the Bible. You don't have to be mean. You just, you, that, that red flag goes up and think, hmm. Yeah, okay. What's going on here? You're doing a spiritual test. You can discern the good. That's pretty easy. But the evil, you look at the evil, something that is leads you astray or somebody astray. Now watch, does it point people to scriptures? Verse six, the Holy Spirit and the Spirit and the scriptures are inseparable. Second Peter, here's the one I use for that. Now, a lot of people, though read this and they kind of read right over it. But look at second Peter chapter one and verse 20. And he says this, knowing this first, So all the things you should know, all the things you should learn, get this first: that no prophecy of the Scriptures, that's the senses, what the Scriptures is saying, is of any private interpretation. You say, well, that that means that uh, that mean what that means is you can't wrestle the Scriptures to your own your own safe place or your own doctrine. There's, there should be, it's the same for everybody. My doctrine shouldn't be different from your doctrine. Your doctrine and what you believe shouldn't be different from mine. If we have this as the go-by, this is what I'm saying. Guess what happens? I'll preach a little bit here. Denomination in religion says, no, you have to go with our church. What our church says, that's what you follow. So well, what about the Bible? Well, the Bible is kind of, we take it allegorically. We take it kind of thought for thought, not word for word. And so they're going to shovel the doctrine off and say, we're going to go with the church and what the church teaches. And whatever they say, that's a private interpretation. The Bible is very clear. It says no scripture or prophecy is of any private interpretation. Verse 21, For Why? For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man. It's not of man. It's not designed or empowered by man. Uh, Academia today in the last hundred and plus years have thought they're the ones that keep scriptures. The scriptures was given to the church. It's the church that's supposed to keep the word of God and copy it and make sure we have it. And he says, old time, this was not given by will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by, say it with me, the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost and the Scripture is not inseparable. So when you're dealing with somebody who says, Well, I don't know. I'm gonna go with my experience. I know what the Bible says, but I you don't understand what I see. I believe them, but I know it doesn't line up with scripture. So what's going on? What about our adversary? Because there's an us and there's a they. If you go back to first John, they are of the world. The world, Satan's going he's got another spirit, he's got another Jesus, and he's got another gospel. I just don't think I could get that bamboozled. I'm telling you, you can. (laughs) I'm telling you, you can. It's very easy. You got to stick with scripture. Now let's watch. Let's move quickly. Does it elevate the truth? Now watch verse six. Let's examine verse six again. First John chapter four, and we'll just do a deep dive here. Not changing nothing, just looking at the wording, how he wrote it. We are of God. If you're saved, you are of God. God dwelleth in you. The Holy Spirit dwelleth in you. He that knoweth God... If you know that God dwells in you, then he says here, he says, he that knoweth God heareth us. You're not going to have any problem receiving scripture. Yeah. Okay, wow, that eliminates a lot of stuff. If you've got an individual that does not want to hear or receive scripture, you've got something else going on. I don't care how well they look. I don't care how much money they have. I don't care how long you've known them. I don't care how tight the relationship is. I shouldn't alter that at all, by the way, if if you're a true friend. What I'm talking about is somebody calling something of God that is not of God, and they don't want to hear Scripture. They don't want to hear the truth of the Scripture. Let's finish the verse, verse 6. He that is not of God heareth not us. I've talked to many religious people that would not accept the writings of the Apostle Paul, would not accept the writings of Peter, would not accept the writings of John, right here. And they go to church, they preach, but they do not receive it. They believe in what is called like a partial inspiration, just not going to take it for gospel. So they won't hear the things that are of God. Hereby, this is the part for you and I, hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of, say it with me, air. There's two different kinds of spirits. Uh, I say, "Wow, wow, that's simply what it's saying. So does it elevate the truth? If it doesn't elevate the truth, then you got a problem. I use that in all facets of life. I use we use it in music when we look at songs. Does it elevate God or does it elevate something else around God? How close is it related to the things of God and the teachings and doctrines of God? You say, wow, I use, I literally I've taught that when I was 10 years old. All right, A lot of good songs out there, but you can look at a song and see how it, how, it, how does it apply, overlay the scriptures. If it doesn't line up well enough in enough points, it goes. But you don't understand it's a good song. It is. There's a lot, there's a lot of country music songs. I'm, I'm not a big fan of country. But there's some good songs, but they're not godly. <laughs> you don't call them godly. You say, why? Because of 1 John chapter 4 and many verses like it. So here, the spirit of air, the spirit of truth. And I'm not just on music or country music. It can be anything. It can be who you ha- hang out with, what church you go to, all right? What Bible you're packing, what doctrine you believe, all right? So does it elevate the truth? Now, lastly, I think the last one's up there. Does it produce love for God and the children of God? Now, let's get back to this world and philosophy and mindset of the world, and we'll finish up. I'm out of time here, but look at verse 7 and 8. Let me read verse 7 and 8. I'll make my comment. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. You know, I took in that Larry King Live thing, and it's an older one that has been out. Matter of fact, he's interviewed uh, Brother John MacArthur uh, quite a few times, and a number of people, that's what he does, or did. And in those interviews that I saw, I watched three or four of them, uh, trying to listen to the response and see, you know, what was going on. I found it amazing that this love and this compassion and this acceptance immediately changed when it got to the Lord Jesus Christ as being God. Not one of the other educated people on that panel said, you know, I respect what you're saying. I know the Bible, the scriptures, God's word, or the writings of God back that up. I might not buy it, but I respect what it says and your position on it. And I still love you. No, (laughs) they didn't say that. Uh, Now, John, I can look at John MacArthur. I don't agree with him doctrinally at all but he still believes that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I can stand with him on that doctrine and still have love for him. But what about the other people? I still love them. Still love them. But it's, it's a funny that the world won't accept you. It won't accept the Christian that believes that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that there is only one way to heaven. Jesus said this when he was on earth. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. That verse come up in that interview and the jewish rabbi said i disagree with that uh the the muslim a very educated muslim very 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 schooled very well very eloquent uh he said i don't believe that every the only person that believed that jesus was the way the truth and the life was john macarthur and i'm not pounding his drum that i'm just saying he was the only one that says no that that's it And so what's the next question everybody asks? Well, how do you get to heaven? If that's the only way, then that means everybody else on this panel is wrong. John said, well, I'm just telling you what the Bible says. And that's the rub. The world doesn't love God. It doesn't love you. When you begin to preach that, that's why you know it's of God or not. Be loved. Let us love one another, for uh, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God. It's speaking of the new birth, and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. You see, what love is that? That's that love that knows that God is God manifest in the flesh, the Lord Jesus Christ. And it believes this Bible, and it stands with this Bible the best way it knows how. So, lastly, does it produce love for God and the children of God? Nope. Nope no agenda self and everything else at once and it'll get mad at you because you don't go along with something that their program or their association or what they're propping up and they'll say you don't love us it's like we're not supposed we're supposed to love God first know this first we're to love God and the things of God then we go after what God gives us to do. but if you can't get on God's page it's going to be hard for me to get on that person's page why well the spiritual test is this of God Is the question mark. So that's just a little outline that I've used. I've used in counseling, I've used in a number of areas, and uh, it's effective. And I love the verses that go with it. Let's all stand tonight. Tonight, you might not have known, well, I didn't know if I had the discernment in me. Well, I'm not very good at discernment. And you might not be. That's why you have this. That's why you have that. We have some, some people who are blessed to have good discernment in our midst, they use the word of God but they have good discernment when it comes to other spirits, other gospels, other doctrines, and other Jesus. Don't lay them short. They're given to us and they're gifts to us not to run down, but to take part in the gift that God has given them. And so be mindful of that tonight. Say, well, I'm not the great discerner. The book is. You just need the book. And you need some love and you need some patience with it. And God will teach you and give you light on that. Brother Jeff, if you have a song, my friend. 306, 306 let's sing tonight. Yeah. sing anymore. This is for your edification. This is for your... It's not to take and and beat over somebody's head. It's to have an understanding yourself. There's still love. There's still long-suffering, they're still patient, the fruit of the Spirit, and we're going to get into that next Wednesday night. Uh, you, that has to be implemented. That has to be, that's the precedent that this stuff starts with. But you don't have to be deceived. You don't have to have a big question mark in, is this of God or not? Uh, and it's something to be used and to take and as a tool from the Word of God. So that's what it's meant for. It's not uh, meant to, hey, they're doing out with that. Ain't... We're not here for that. We're here to so we stay straight and that we can be effective for God. That's the goal. That's what it's about. All right, Brother Mike Fletcher, good to see you tonight. Brother, would you close and dismiss us in a word of prayer?